0: The podcast you are about to hear is about raising kids, but it's for adults. There are curse words and talk of grown-up things. So make with the headphones. Welcome to Tantrum.
1: Hi, this is Jack, and this is my parenting moment of glory. I've always been pretty good about not cursing around my kids, keeping most of the profanities to a muttered, under-the-breath level. But just as she was about to turn three, my youngest daughter, she got pretty whiny and more tantrum prone. One particularly bad day, she had been crying and whining all morning, wanting to do this and that. And without thinking, I said, sweetie, if you don't stop crying, we're not going to do shit. And she immediately stopped crying and
0: looked at me with a very intrigued expression on her face and said, I want to do shit. So obviously I was really proud of that one.
1: Tantrum is a podcast for grown-ups about raising kids. I'm Kate Sweeney.
0: And I'm Allison Harney.
1: Today, we'll be hearing from Laurel Snyder, who read at our very first show at Kavarna in Atlanta, GA. Well, I guess technically Decatur, GA. Anyway, I
2: decided we were going to do summer with no summer camp. So I was like, okay, well, there's going to be this hour where they go for a walk. There's going to be this hour where they do journaling, like, which of course they were like, no, we're not going to do journaling. (laughs) So the next day, I, like, went and picked the journals up after their journaling time, and it literally just said, fuck, 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 shit, 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 shit. bitch, 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 mother, 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 motherfucker. And then, like, I hate mom, this journal
1: is boring. Laurel rocked the crowd, which is unsurprising because she is
0: great. But we began the night with a story from you, Kate, to explain why we even have this show. And here's where we'll start. She had learned about this thing called mom friends.
1: Apparently, she read while pregnant, mom friends were really important to have. And the best time to make mom friends was during maternity leave. One blogger recommended taking advantage of the postpartum weeks to get out of the house as much as possible to meet other new moms. Actually, this blogger had used that kicky term, mamas, rather than moms. Our heroine really liked this. Mama seemed ballsier than mom And that's what she wanted to be To retain that sort of ballsy or eggsy or whatever Part of herself that no doubt a term like mother would swiftly eradicate She wanted to be one of those mamas who breastfed in public And dressed her boy in sparkly pink and unicorns Because fuck gender norms A mama who drank PBR at rock shows while carrying her baby around Wait not carry, but she had read the proper term was wear. I see some people mouthing this around the room. Was to wear her baby in a, in a Baby Bjorn or an Ergo Baby or a Tula or Lily Baby or My Tie or Ring Sling or Boba or like whatever. Yes, she would wear her baby at rock shows or art openings and such, stopping to breastfeed every now and then, taking sips of the PBR. Okay, well, maybe not all at the same time. As she met these new mama friends while continuing to hang out with her old friends, of course. Her old friends who would rave about how motherhood hadn't changed her at all. The blogger our heroine was reading said, you should use your maternity leave. Use it to find play dates, or if you didn't find them, organize them yourself. The blogger could not emphasize this enough. Finding friends during maternity leave was the way the blogger herself had developed this close-knit group of mom friends who'd become her new best friend she could call on for anything. And it had all been cemented during maternity leave. This made sense to our heroine who read this blog while in like her 6th or 7th month of pregnancy, a time when it still seemed she could plan everything. After all, she was good at organizing groups. Although something of an introvert, she liked meeting new people. She had read about how the first 3 months of her baby's life would really be like a fourth trimester, but imagine soldiering through it with both tears and wry laughter with a group of cool like-minded local ladies at coffee shops. And in parks maybe she'd take up knitting this was the vision and then she gave birth and she was industrious Just the first few days after having her baby, she walked miles worth of laps around her house in a stained velour bathrobe while sobbing. And in those days and those that followed, she logged hours on the phone with lactation counselors, taking notes that grew increasingly frantic and psychotic breakish-looking, or trying to sleep while the baby slept, lying instead prone and tense behind her pages of breastfeeding notes, waiting for his cry... That wry sense of humor, that was there too. At one particular two in the morning, she updated her online status to read, sleep when the baby sleeps, don't cry when the baby cries. Her husband's aunt was the first to comment on this one. She had written in all caps, cherish this beautiful time together. (laughs) It had not been an ideal time to make new friends. Then she was back at work, and their kitchen became a staging ground for a rotating cast of plastic pumping parts and bottles, the freezer filled with pumped milk that was somehow never enough pumped milk. Her husband took to calling their house The Dairy. She was alone during these months, too, whether sequestered in the mildewed closet at work where she spent cumulative hours pumping and scrolling mama Facebook groups, or back at home making baby food and pumping and playing with her baby and nursing and pumping and taking a million photos of this child who had changed everything and scrolling through photo after photo as she pumped and pumped. And when this period ended, she emerged into a new self that felt at once familiar and brand new to her. Hello there, she said tentatively one morning to her reflection with no idea how that reflection would respond. And although she had not spent the earlier months making the new parent friends that she'd hoped she would, she knew she wasn't alone. And the mostly not-child-having friends she had, you know, she loved them, they had been true blue, but she found herself missing people she didn't know yet. A community she hadn't found yet, not just of mamas, but dads too, and caregivers who didn't go by either title, a community of other parents with their own stories, like my story, the story I just told you. These stories often feel too personal, too minor or too domestic somehow, to be of interest to people. But these are big stories. These stories of our surprise pregnancies, or our hard-earned pregnancies, of our colicky babies, of caring for babies alone while our partners are mired by postpartum depression, stories of our adoptions, and the time we showed up to an interview with spit-up on our shirts, and of our baby's first curse words... Of the tricks we played on our toddlers to toilet train them and the weird hours we spent lying on the floor with them reading over and over again Moo Ba, La 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 by Sandra Boynton and feeling like totally content for the first time or feeling frustrated and bored and embarrassed because we were supposed to love this, right? And we didn't. Stories of being the only dad in a mom's group, and our transgender toddlers, and baby-proofing moments of genius, and returning to work or not returning to work, and either way, in the end, the new lives we were slowly building. I am so glad you guys are here.
0: And we're really glad you're here, podcast listeners. This is Tantrum, a show about raising kids. It's our very first episode, and in a moment, we'll hear from Laurel Snyder, with a story about why a toddler... A newborn and the filthiest bathroom on the East Coast. It's really disgusting. Her mindset about parenting forever. I mean, really gross. gross. It was really gross. Yeah. (laughs) But
1: first, it is time for a little glory—a parental moment of glory—in which we ask you to share a moment of parenting hilarity, brilliance, failure, or discovery. Those moments that other
0: people raising kids get
1: because we've all been there.
0: Or maybe we haven't, thank God, some of these. But. <laughs> right, right. And I
1: think that's what we do as parents. Sometimes we like to compete for who has the worst story. And they're so much fun because I can say, thank God that didn't happen to me. Or then when it does happen to me. Right. Like, when
0: it does happen, at least I know I'm not alone. Right. This
1: happened with us.
0: I'm sorry, I'm just remembering Oh this. my god. Yes. It was like pooping in the tub, one of the kids.
1: Yeah, it was my son Bird when he was like six months old and at oh, the time I, your no. daughter Merritt was like a year.
0: Bird had pooped in the tub, and I was telling you Merritt went through a big old phase doing that. And that I had like somehow ended it. Right. And and like the last time it had
1: happened had been like six months, months ago, ago or yeah. something.
0: And literally that night, like within fifteen minutes of this conversation she shits in the tub. Oh, <laughs> mm, Merit. So, yeah, if you have a story like
1: that, we want you to share yours with us. Just call 678-379-3748.
0: At our live show, we ask the audience members to share them, too. So let's hear a couple from our July show at Carvana.
1: Allison, do we have any uh, parenting moments of glory from our audience? Oh, you guys rocked it. You guys are Fantastic. Okay, Okay, wait, I just want to cut in real quickly here to explain that this was our very first show. And I had no idea if anyone would write down any parental moments of glory to share or, if you know, I'd just be like up on the stage whistling and kind of staring at people who were staring back at me. And, you know, just slowly getting more and more depressed. Um, That's not what happened. The Mm -mm. crowd totally buried us in awesome stories. Yes. Anyway, back to them. All right. So I'm going to read three of these. Okay, so this is someone who chose to remain anonymous, and that's fine. This person writes, "Um, my parenting moment of glory is, on the last day of school this year, I saw I had five missed calls as I was getting dressed at the OBGYN. Then I saw a text from one of our 17-year-old sons that they had had a car accident and had hit a priest this person continues, damn autocorrect, it was a Prius. No one was hurt, but the priest and the Corolla were both totaled. P.S. They were skipping Spanish class when the accident happened. Thank you. This one is from Charlie. Charlie. Charlie says, my parenting moment of glory is right after my daughter was born, they handed her to me and sent me out of the room while they stitched up my wife. A woman was cleaning the operating room next door, listening to a radio and singing at the top of her lungs. If you like it, then you should have put a ring on it. I looked down at my moment's old daughter and said, that's Beyonce. She's our leader. really good parent god thumbs up okay i'm gonna read another one uh my name is elena and my parenting moment of glory is yesterday i discovered that i actually can give my three-year-old too much miralax (laughs)
2: i'll
1: continue Had her first blowout since babyhood and ruined her new birthday dress. Just glad it didn't happen at her actual party.
0: Remember, you can share your parental moment of glory by calling 678-379-3748. And now, on to our featured reader, Laurel Snyder.
1: If you have a young person in your life who loves great picture books or a person who's a little older and loves really deep, insightful chapter books, you may already be familiar with Laurel Snyder. She's a writer and a mom, and for the last 10 years, she hasn't had much time for much else. She's the author of many books for kids, most recently, Swan, The Life and Dance of Anna Pavlova, which is beautiful. She lives in Ormwood Park, Please welcome Laurel Snyder.
2: Hello. So thank you so much to Kate. This is so awesome and cool, and I'm so glad you're doing this. And uh, thank you to the other readers and to all the people who called in and everything. This is just a great idea. Um, I wish it had existed ten years ago when I was going stir-crazy in my little closet. Um I wanna before I start, I wanna add my little piece of the the cussing thing, which is that last summer I decided we were gonna do summer with no summer camps, and since I'm a stay-at-home writer, I have some flexibility, blah blah blah. We're just gonna have the kids with me all summer, it's gonna be so fun. But I wanted to structure a little bit, so I was like, okay, well there's gonna be this hour where they go for a walk, there's gonna be this hour where they do journaling, like which of course they were like, No, we're not gonna do journaling. <laughs> and it took me a couple days before I was like, wait. I was like, you can write anything you want in your journal. And they were like, what do you mean? I was like, you can write anything you want in their journal. And so they were like, oh. So the next day, I like went and picked the journals up after their journaling time, and it literally just said, fuck, 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 shit, 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 shit. bitch, 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 mother, 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 motherfucker, motherfucker, like, motherfucker. So. And then, like, I hate mom, this journal is boring. I fucking hate this journal. <laughs> And my friend Juliana has a rule That on Fridays at their house You can say any cuss words you want But only in a full Irish brogue <laughs> So I think it's cool That we're coming up with these like, other ways Of doing these rules, right? <clears throat> okay It was July It was a rough July Hot and gross and sticky But difficult in other ways too I had an 18-month-old, Mose And a four-week-old baby, Lewis. Nights were bad I was sleeping in 90-minute increments Between feedings Naturally, Moe's bounded up at 6.30 every morning like a toddler. So let's say I was tired. I remember in those days nodding the baby inside my bathrobe when I sat on the couch to stare numbly at Caillou, because that way, if I fell asleep and tipped over, the baby wouldn't fall on the floor. On top of that, my husband was in school, but also newly unemployed, which meant I was broke, but also on my own. And we were suddenly uninsured. As a result, I'd done something crazy and sold an unwritten novel a few months before in hopes of an advance check big enough to cover the delivery. It had worked, and I'd managed to pay for everything, but now I had a book to finish. My deadline was a few weeks away. Only get this, my husband's last coursework for his degree involved a two-week trip to Japan and China. So I found myself sleep deprived, broke as shit, single parenting a toddler and a newborn without childcare of any kind or money to pay for it, and somehow I needed to write a few hundred pages of fiction. I did what any sane person who could would do. I went home to my mom. I got into the car and I drove up 85 with two kids in tow. I remember I developed an amazing trick of tossing mini muffins over my shoulder into Moses' car seat whenever he yelled. Meanwhile, the baby just screamed, but there was nothing I could do about that, so I turned up the radio. I had to get where I was going. And that, to me, is parenting in a nutshell. Blindly flinging food at people, turning up the radio, and getting where you're going. So there we are, six hours into the hell drive in central Virginia, and I have to pee. Bad. But the boys are both finally asleep, so I don't stop. I just keep going, leaking into my jeans with my foot hard on the gas for as long as I can stand it. Finally, I can't take it anymore, so I pull off at the next exit and roll into the first gas station I see. I wake the boys up and dash, carrying Lou and dragging Mose by the little arm, inside. There's no time for a stroller. There's no time for a Bjorn. I'm about to wet myself. It's raining, but I don't stop for an umbrella because I can't hold it. Of course, people stare at me as I race in soaking and wild-eyed, and of course the bathroom is occupied. But at last the door opens, and I get inside, and the bathroom is disgusting it's a single stall filthy concrete like you know no tile or anything it's one of those things where there's like a shower head coming out of the wall because somebody I guess takes a shower there there's cigarette butts everywhere it smells like a latrine and for a minute I don't know if I can do it Lewis is still over my right arm and Moses fist is in my hand but there's no way to take my pants down unless I let go of something so I do I let go of something I drop Moses hand and I whirl around as fast as I can, sink onto the toilet seat, and pee so hard, like pushing the urine out of me. I squeeze my eyes shut, and there are tears of joy and relief, and it feels like I'm peeing for like 10 minutes. So good. And then I hear Mo say, Mommy? And when I open my eyes and look, he's standing in front of me, holding up a very old, very used... Very rotten tampon. He's holding it by the string, and it's dangling like a dead mouse, like by a tail, and it's swaying in front of my face. And he's so proud, he's beaming, he's curious, he doesn't know what it is, he's found something new. Instinctively, I bat it from his hand, so now he's crying. And I stand and I yank my pants up without wiping And I jerk the baby around so now he's crying And then I realize I have to put the baby somewhere So I can wash Moses' hands Because otherwise he's going to stick his thumb in his mouth So I lay Lewis on the ground And I wash Moses' hands And I wash my hands And I scoop him up thinking Well I'll I'll wipe the baby down with wipes in the car And then we run back through the rain So I can strap them into their car seats And sit in the front seat And weep I just shudder in the seat, all by myself, the kids are screaming, I can't, I can't do anymore. Face and hands, it's too much. I'm too tired, I'm too alone, I'm too broke, I can't handle it. And now this, proof if I ever needed it that I can't handle it. And this is the story that I wanted to tell you guys tonight. But I want to pause to say that when I began writing, I didn't know why, I couldn't figure out why this was the story I wanted to share. And I struggled as I went through it to figure out, like, what was the takeaway? You know, like, when you write this kind of essay, you're like, what's the point? What are they going to walk away going, hmm, you know? And so I was trying to figure out, am I just showing off? This is, like, the shock value. Look, what a badass parent I am. Part of me wanted to close with something about how things are generally fine in the end, even when they aren't, that we're strong and our kids are strong and we can survive things. Part of me wanted to say that this isn't a story I can share with everyone. But that here in this space of community, it feels safe, that you're all parents or you're interested in it, and that this is an honest space and it takes a village and yada, yada, yada. Part of me wanted to write about the pressure of parenting and the perfectionism, the fact that it felt like that shuddering moment was my fault. I had made these terrible choices and I shouldn't have been driving up the highway and I shouldn't have tried to write this novel and I shouldn't have left work to have children and whatever. And I wanted to say that, you know, like, we shouldn't beat ourselves up and all that kind of stuff. But then I figured out what it was I really wanted to say and why I wanted to tell you this story. Because in that shuddering moment, I was all alone. And absolutely nothing had prepared me for it. No helpful website had offered tips. There's no, like, what to do when your child finds a rotten tampon on a concrete floor. (laughs) Or, like, how to pee while holding two screaming children. I was beyond the scope of the helpful advice my mom and pediatrician had given me. I was beyond what to expect when you're expecting. I had to do this by myself. And I did. Of course I did. As soon as I stopped shuddering, I figured out what I needed to do next. I dried my eyes. I opened the door. I stepped back out into the rain. I popped up in the trunk. I unzipped the suitcase and I pulled out a skirt. And standing in the parking lot, I pulled it on, and then I slipped my wet jeans and underpants off, and I threw them on the asphalt, and I left them there. And I got back in the car, and I started driving again. Stuck the key in the ignition, drove all the way to Baltimore that night, strong in my new discovery, that it is possible to pee holding two children if you don't have to take off your underpants. (laughs) To this day, I travel commando. I don't need to anymore. But it's become like a thing. Like, this is a thing I learned. No one told me this. I figured it out all by myself. My mother doesn't know this. Right? And this is what parenting is. It's about invention. It is this deeply creative act. Parenting is this job we're thrown into without the proper training. And we have to concoct and troubleshoot and discover. We have all these amazing instincts, mutant powers. People have called them different things tonight. We realize that we are scientists, and we are magicians, and we are detectives, and we are artists, and we are MacGyver. There is no proud feeling quite like the first time we make a crib out of a laundry basket or a bathtub or a dresser drawer. The first time we wash a kid's face with spit. The first time we turn a washcloth and two paper clips into a diaper. Or we kiss someone better. Or we like shh 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 them to sleep for the first time. All of this comes from inside us, from a magical, creative place of invention. Parents get sold a lot of shit, contraptions to make us optimal, books to tell us what we do wrong, books to tell us how to be better or how other people are better, grandparents and Facebook groups discuss the ways that other people have responded to these moments that we're in. But it seems to me that so often all this noise gets in the way of our own very perfect instincts. Parents are problem solvers. It's this gift, this skill that somehow comes to you when you have to take care of a child. Parenting is about staring into the fridge and seeing a carrot, some stale rice, and half a leftover burrito and thinking, how am I going to make this a meal? It's looking into a summer with no money and trying to figure out, like, well, how am I going to make this a vacation? Staring at a flat tire or a broken bone or a puddle of vomit or an empty bank account and reassuring everyone that things are going to be fine and believing it. Because it's true, and you know it, that all you have to do is be bigger and braver and stronger and more creative than you've ever been before. All you have to do is invent what comes next, which may or may not include flinging mini muffins over your shoulder with no underpants for
1: six hours in the rain. Thank you. That's it for Tantrum. We are brand new, but we're hoping to become more than a podcast.
0: More than a podcast.
1: Yes. We're hoping to become a great 80s song. But actually, what we want to do is create a real-life parenting community that you are a part of. So please join us on Facebook at Tantrum ATL. Tweet at us. We're at Tantrum Atlanta. Share this podcast with all your friends. And definitely come out to be part of the next live show. It's Saturday, September 10th at Kavarna in Decatur. There you will be reminded that raising kids is fun, yet hard. Raising kids is life-changing, and yet brain-rotting.
0: It isn't easy, but you're kicking ass. No, you're kicking ass, Allison. Until next time, I'm Allison Harney. And I'm Kate
1: Sweeney. Thanks to Jeffrey Butzer for letting us use his song, Catherine, for our music. And thanks to Mike Johns for recording the live show at Kavarna. We're all kicking ass! Yes, thank you. Have a wonderful day.